a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome everybody to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Alpine Star Protects. This is the 450 motocross preview show. We did 250s. Please take a listen and uh, see how wrong we'll be when it comes uh, at the end of round 12 of the Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Championships. That is kicking off this weekend in Hangtown. But first, flyracing.com. Please check them out. They make much more than gear. You know them from the gear that Canard and Pike and Millsaps and Baggett and the Seven Deuce Deuce wear. But they make much more than just gear. If you go there, you can get some snow stuff. You can get some watercraft stuff. You can get some bicycle stuff. Hard parts line. Uh, flyracing.com has got it for you. Uh, go to their website. Check it out. Go to your local dealer and uh, say, demand. Demand. I want my fly racing stuff. So go there and do that. And thanks to Alpine Stars Protects as well. Much more than boots. Whole protection line from the A-Star folks. And uh, we appreciate that. And also, too, listen up, jerkies. There's a new way to watch the entire Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championships live and commercial free. It's called the NBC Sports Gold Pro Motocross Pass. It's nonstop racing. Wygant and Langston. Calling qualifiers, Moto 1s, Moto 2s, no commercial. Every battle, every crash, every moto. A cable TV subscription is not required. So none, all you cable cutters, you're dialed in. Uh, stream the races live and without interruptions on your computer and with the NBC Sports Gold Gold Pass app on your iPhone, Droid, Amazon, Apple TV, and all that kind of stuff. So please check them out. NBCSportsGold.com uh, is the site to go to, and uh, they'll answer all your questions from, from uh, how to stream it, where to stream it, how to get it, and everything else. FlyRacing.com, RacerX Podcast, 450 Motocross Preview with me on the line couple of gentlemen who know something or another about motocross although i might change that opinion after that 250 preview pod we did the other day first up from flyracing.com jason thomas i'm ready to do this it's uh i think it's the the end of an era and dare we say the beginning of an era that, that's going to be my uh my hot take leaving this podcast okay. i don't know how hot it is but yeah take not that hot, for sure. Yeah, um, I maybe I jumped the gun on the hot part. Uh, also on the line, he's calling the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championships alongside Grant Langston. He's the voice of motocross. He is our guide. He will not miss a start this season. That he promises. The Jason Wygant. Yeah, but um, let's be honest. I mean, I don't know how important it's going to be to call every single thing that happens. I mean... No, I don't. I don't know if the season's going to be a a nail biter now. I think I can take a couple races off and get some motos here and there. Maybe, maybe we'll be okay. I don't, I don't think that it's okay for you to guarantee that you're not going to miss a start. I, I'm not confident in that. <laughs> That's true. I mean, we're back in Southwick. 
that's where all the trouble started. Hurricanes, TV monitors going out, uh, anything's possible. Um, Dungeon's going to miss the start of that one. Why can't you? I imagine, mm-hmm. I imagine you taking some motos off, leaving GL in the booth. I imagine he'd be a little bit like Garth Algar when Garth had to carry the show when Wayne left that time. And Garth just stared into the camera. <laughs> Uh, there was, I think, one time uh, we, we do announce practice, which you can also see and well, here on the NBC Sports Gold app. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember what the circumstances were. I like lost track of what time zone we were in or something. And Grant did have to call one one twenty minute session of practice on his own. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. Who knew? Yeah, but don't forget, <laughs> this is Grant. You ask him one question, and you get a forty five minute answer. He would be just fine. Who knew that? Out of the both of you, the one person to actually miss a session. Is Grant Langston. Yeah. Like, or, or, yeah. It's not Grant Langston, I should say. It's not Grant Langston. Yeah, yeah it was like that episode where, uh, of Seinfeld where I became Kramer and he became me. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so we, the NBC Sports Gold app, uh, you can get all these stuff, commercial free and everything else. It's mostly for the, cult, for the cord cutting people, which if you, know, if you read anything in the news, it, that's a greater uh, percentage of people more and more. But um, this is the only way to watch it online is with this uh, $50 pass, correct? Yeah, it's the only way to watch it online. Uh, the only other way to watch it is on TV. So right. uh, the, the premise here basically is it's 50 bucks for the season. That's basically a dollar per moto, you know, 49.99 and 48 motos. You practice and all that stuff too. And, you know, that's pretty much one month's cable bill. So if you really don't want to pay the cable bill, you basically pay what would cost you one month of cable and you get the whole three months worth of racing. And by the way, they did look at what it costs to get some other racing pay-per-view uh, packages like this, and this is less expensive than those. So, okay, yeah, Moto, MotoGP's uh, MotoGP's 140 euros, just to give you a comparison. Yeah, yeah, um, a bunch. There's a bunch out there nowadays, but they're all more expensive than this. So, okay. part of the way that they can they you. Set it up. But if you just want to pay your regular cable bill, you can watch it on the regular channels, which will be Mav TV first motos and BCSN second motos. Uh, but no, the only way you can watch it online, archive or live, is with the gold pass. So fifty bucks, just do it at two bucks a moto. Can Why you not? can you direct me to somebody at NBC who will uh, reimburse me for my smashed laptop when I read Twitter and people saying, "So I can't watch them on TV. This is the only way I can watch them." And then I smash my head against the laptop. Who yeah? Who exactly can replace the laptop for uh, me? I, I stay out of the next sports business as much as possible, but I saw that very thing on Instagram about two hours ago, and I had to call the office and say, if we're going to put out Instagrams that say, use the NBC Gold app, we must also say, and it's also on television. Right, right. You can also see these live in person, too. Just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, you can buy a ticket and go. Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, someone said they need to have a wait a minute. It's not even on cable TV. You need to get with it like Supercross. And I'm like, no, it is. It is on cable TV. It's also on television. Obviously, I, it's on TV. As a guy who, you know, has a, a YouTube channel for videos and a lot of audio uh, platforms to listen to shows and and live shows and recorded shows, none of this surprises me. I don't understand people. I don't get the people that can't change a channel to watch them. I don't get these people with the app, but it's just, I don't understand. These are your people, though. Just just so we're clear, these are your people. <laughs> these are Fly Racing's people, too, bro. 
I'll take him. I'm not the one bagging on him. I love these people. <laughs> I can't handle, though, when you tweet me and say, so that's the only way I can watch the Nationals. I can't handle that anymore. I can't. Well, okay. what I picture, I picture my dad because he's not technologically savvy. So when I put it in the perspective of my dad or um, my mentor here at Fly Racing, they're not used to dealing with techie stuff. So this is all new language for them. So I, I can bring it back and, and emphasize and empathize with them yeah yeah um so yeah for us we do this stuff all the time we're on our phones nonstop. too much gets us in trouble all the time uh but yeah there's a lot of people out there that don't that you know they don't their lives don't revolve around twitter and their phones so well just new new tech just just, just get it on tv you can get it on tv you always can get it on tv you always need to get it on tv all right and then don't tell me about the record cutter well then you can't get it on tv because you have no tv at all <laughs> okay so all right, this is a good move. I like this. This is a good move. All right, hey, let's uh, let's get into this 450 motocross preview. But before then, we were kind of holding off on this because we got word last week about this. It's been a, a deck, a season long uh, talk about Ryan Dungey retiring, and then then there was we're not sure if he's going to retire. Then it was he's definitely not racing motocross. He's going to probably you know tell us that his knee is sore, uh, but then he probably will retire at the end of the year. But actually, uh, Dungey just came out today. And said that uh, that's it. He's done. He's retiring. There's no knee injury, quote unquote, that needs uh, fixing. Um, I guess let's let's first before we talk about in a broader sense his career and 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 how it pertains to these nationals coming up. I'm a little surprised, Weege, that he came out and said I'm retiring. I figured I would bet on. Hey, I'm sitting at the nationals. I don't know about my future. I need a little bit of work done to my knee, which is probably not even a lie because technically you could find something wrong with any of these racers that needs fixing. And then I would expect to see a retirement announcement at the end of the year. I think I would I would have bet on that uh, rather than do it today. But um, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I've heard that a bunch. Like uh, when the rumors started getting out that he wasn't going to race the Nationals, then I heard a lot of people saying, but does that mean he's retired altogether? I'm not sure why the two things weren't linked together i kind of disagree with you there like why would you why do it twice like if you want to retire why wouldn't you just say it why wouldn't you why would you fake an injury to get out of one series only to then say you're retiring three months from now like i don't know why you would bother because like, maybe yeah because maybe your mind's not 100 percent made up and maybe you want to collect the, some paychecks well i think this just proves that his mind uh is 100 yeah, percent made yeah, up yeah yeah yeah, I will never endorse the I will never endorse the smoke and mirrors tactic. If you want to retire, uh, just say it. Don't claim there's some sort of injury thing. And honestly, okay, well as far as the money situation you... goes and all that, I, I, I'm sure that can all be worked out. Dungey's done more for KTM than any person ever has. Uh, I'm sure it'll be just fine business wise. Oh, I agree, but you can't yeah. say that that's a crazy strategy in our sport. No, it is not a right. crazy strategy in our sport, for sure. But I just didn't think that was going to be the case here, and, and it wasn't. He's it's, There's really not much to say. He's just done. He's just done racing. So there's no reason to wiggle around. And I know that part of this is based on the way we saw Filippoto handle it quite recently. But remember, he still had a whole other year in his contract, and he was dogged by all these what's going to happen the next year. There wasn't an easy way to put a – in many of – I guess that would have been 2014 – there wasn't an easy way to put a bow on it because the contract ran all the way to the end of 2015. So I think we're using that maybe as a reference, but that was a much more complicated situation. He was trying to get out of a year and a half 
that he was contracted to ride and then he ended up tucking over to Europe for a little bit. That was very complicated and very messy and, and probably not handled that well. Wow. But this I, is a lot simpler. No, there was something else going on with, with the R V thing because this isn't this isn't Baghdad. You can just retire. Like you can just say, I no longer want to race. I know I have a contract, but you cannot make me race. And then Cal's yeah, up, but, you know, but so I, I really I really think the main difference here is that for him to come out today and say that he's retired and he's done, there had to be an agreement reached with KTM. Like he basically, they either basically said, Hey, thanks for winning this title. Uh, we're going to honor your contract and thanks for everything you've done. Or there was some sort of settlement like, Hey, we'll pay you yeah. whatever was left. I would say it's probably the former. They probably said, thanks for everything you've done. We'll honor the rest of it. You won the title for us, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, that's the main difference. That's where the RV thing went sideways is he had some contract obligations that weren't fulfilled. It's just a completely different scenario between the two. And the only way for Dunge to come out and do what he did today was basically he and KTM are on the same page and and everything's clean cut. JT, there's Fox, there's Target, there's Oakley. You know, I mean, there's Red Bull. And in those scenarios, if they want to cut his pay a percentage, that's in the contract. That's all very, you know, I would be shocked. Just because I'm in this industry as a as a gear sponsor, I would be shocked if those guys enforce any sort of pay uh, decrease for what he's done for that com- those companies. Um, but I, I can't speak for them. But I, I know as a gear company, we've never done anything like that uh, with injuries or anything. So um, I just ha- I when I look at it, I kind of feel like those guys were like, "Yep, you know what? He's won everything. He's done everything we've ever asked. He's been such a great ambassador." If he doesn't want to do it, we're not going to force him to do it. This is what we budgeted for him. You know, what, what if he just got hurt? They're still going to pay him. Um, you know, so it's no different. No surprise, though, that he announced his retirement just because all year long he's been talking about it. He made the comment about, you know, um, uh, it's much more, there's much more to life than his motorcycle race, uh, you know, maybe halfway through Supercross. He hasn't been the same guy this year, there's no doubt. At the Vegas press conference, he spoke about – the neck injury and going on the lake and fishing and you realize how much you miss it. And I immediately had uh, an alarm bell go off on my head because that is almost exactly what Damon Bradshaw told me when he got hurt in in 92 and tore his ACL and missed the summer and told me he went water skiing on the lake and and, and Dungy said he went fishing. So team managers, don't let your riders go on lakes in the summer because they will quit. They will retire. Um, But no surprise, huh, Wygant? Uh, no, and I think it's all finally all the pieces uh, fit together. Everything we were wondering all year, you know, even what was wrong with Dunge, is there something wrong with Dunge? I think a lot of it comes down to the majority of it, I feel, comes down to the injury last year and then seeing Roxon have another injury to kind of pound the point home of, man, I could be on borrowed time here. There's a lot of risk. At this point, the reward is just potentially doing what I've already done. Yeah, you just know, another, another title. title right, and yeah. More money, which I already have. So I think that was the main factor. And then, you know, when you start, as you did with the press conference there, thinking about those quotes, you start thinking about everything you saw all year, knowing what we know now. We know that apparently the track's getting rough and getting super sketchy by the end of the night. That maybe wasn't working so well for him. I've got to think because he was trying to mitigate the risks all season. So I feel like we have all these explanations now. Why did he not quite have that edge? Obviously, he rode very well. He is the champ. I'm not even going to claim for one second that he left into it. In the 17 race series, he's a champion. Great job. But he didn't have the same edge he had the last two years. And I think now you can see why, at least in my opinion, is because he finally had that in the back of his mind. I don't want to get hurt. 
uh, deal here. And uh, once you got that, it's pretty hard to wrestle with it. And I think it affected him all season, and now he's done. Don't go on a lake. Bradshaw, Dunge, don't go, don't yeah. go on a lake when you're hurt because you'll be like well, – And actually, you know what? Like on a, on a much, much, much smaller scale, uh, my last year as a mechanic, 05, uh, Red Dog got hurt again pretty seriously, uh, had a knee injury. And so for whatever reason, Yamaha's like, hey, Mathis, you, we don't even need you at the races. And you can insert your own joke here about them finally figuring that out. But – I started having weekends off, and my wife and I were going to movies, hanging out. We lived by the beach. We'd go down there, go to Hollywood uh, and all this. And I started thinking, like, this this is a real life here. Like, you know, as a mechanic, you don't ever have a chance to look up. And so I, I 100% get it on a, on a much, much, much smaller scale. So I get it, man. These guys don't – people who are listening to this right now, they do not have an idea of how hard Ryan Dungey worked over the years. They just They just don't. So, well, I can, I can only look at it from my own perspective. And every time I had an injury where I had to sit out, if it wasn't for the financial side, which was my motivating factor to get back, man, it was, it was awesome. Otherwise, um, I do, I wanted to get back to go make some money, but the time off, it was honestly that first week or two, other than the pain was like, man, this is great. I get to, I get to take some time off. I get to relax. I get to see my friends. I don't, when I wake up, I actually don't have to, you know, like immediately race out of the house and start training. Um, so for Dunge, where he's done everything he ever wanted to do, he's won everything. The financial side is taken care of. I can only imagine the relief he has every day. I, I bet he has a perma smile on his face at all times right now. And also too, he's going back to Minnesota. Not exactly a high dollar area. Like his dollars will go far. Um, well, I don't. You know I don't I mean? Honestly, with like, the money he's made and the deals that he's had and the bonuses he's won, I don't. I think he could probably live wherever he wanted and be just fun. Yeah, it'll be it'll be nice. Um, I wrote this today. Why can't and I? I believe it. Um, I don't know if he will be fully appreciated until until we look back at his records and he's second all time in 450 motocross wins sixth all time 450 supercross wins uh seven titles correct i just ran off the top of my head i think he's got seven um and eight, 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 oh yeah eight, one, right uh, yeah sure regional. sure yeah yep. um yep. and and i think uh a lot like jeff stanton we're not going to appreciate him until maybe you go back a few years and look at his records and his podium streaks and everything else um do you believe that uh, I would have thought that if he was done, say, before his 2015 renaissance, but I feel like he got a lot of love 2015 and 2016 when there was no doubt. I mean, he was the guy in the sport. Roxon did get an outdoor title last year, but for the most part, you win both Supercross titles, you win the majority of the races you're in. I don't think if you quizzed anybody in 2015 or 2016 and said, who's the man in the sport right now, they would have said Ryan Dungey. And if you do that over the course of two years, I feel like you've got plenty of love and attention. I don't I don't think that it's going to take 10 years for us to realize how good he was. I think these last two and a half uh, got him a lot of that already that I don't think he would have had. You know, if he was just the guy who won sometimes when Villapoto was out, got some titles, got some race wins, well, I, I would have agreed. But I think these last two years have been uh, really, or last two and a half, have been really good for his reputation. Okay. Um, All right. Well, I think he's fine. Okay. All right. I disagree a little bit just because – Kenny got him for two outdoor titles. RV retired, and he, he picked up that torch. But RV had pretty much beaten him in every series. And it, that they raced head-to-head that RV didn't get hurt at. 
Now, again, I, I you know he's an all-timer. He's a Mount Rushmore motocross legend. But I feel like fans, for all the reasons I just listed, fans are a little bit reluctant to embrace him. Um, but years from now, we'll go, holy shit, look at those. Look at that Racer X vault. Look at those wins. Look at those podiums. But, okay, uh, we agree to disagree a little bit. What do you think, JT? Yeah, I'm, I'm torn on this because on paper, man, he has some incredible stats that I, I think you're right. When we look back a long time from now, and especially people who didn't live through this era like we did, um, you're not going to remember all the nuances of, of series and how they went and how he won, or, or they won't anyway. We might. But really, you know, there's, there could be an argument because I think if you talk to Ryan Villapoto in his heart of hearts, I think he feels like he could have kept winning. Because if you look at Dungy's program, he really turned it up whenever RV stepped away and then Dungy got on Alden Baker's program. Those two things had to coincide for Dungy's meteoric rise. Um, and I think Dungy would have, he would have cemented his place in, in the history either way, but it wouldn't have been this impressive. You know, he wouldn't have won three Supercross titles in a row, in my opinion, without both of those things happening. Ryan Villapoto stepping away and Alden Baker being available to work with Ryan Dungy. So that doesn't really matter. Ryan Villapoto stepped away and, and we know what all happened. But I think if you were really dissecting this thing and writing a, a dissertation on how this all played out, um, I think Ryan Villapoto would have something to say over these last three titles, given the age. And, you know, those guys were only a year or two apart in age. Uh, and Ryan Villapoto had gotten the best of him four years running. So it's an interesting conversation. I doubt Ryan Dungey cares so much, no, and nor no, should he. No. Um, but it's an interesting debate to have because it, uh, it definitely, um, you know, it, it favored Ryan Dungey's situation the way it played out over the last three seasons. This is, uh, this is putting you guys on the spot a little bit. Uh, we didn't talk about this before I hit record. Something I just popped in my head. And it's a little bit difficult because two guys come to mind, RJ and Hannah, that you know never really got the same chances as the current guys to do what the current guys have done. There's more races now. And they had to ride multiple classes and multiple bikes and things like that. But, I mean, right off the top of your head, where would you put Dunge all time? Uh, off top of my head rc mc rv and stew and i know dunch kills stew in, in, in uh in championships i would put them ahead of dunge i would put dungey fifth all time and again like hannah and rj hard to hard to uh quantitate quantify uh what those guys did and where they belong uh, you can go race winning percentage, and that's a little bit of an indicator. But even that leaves those guys a little short. But top of your head, JT, where would you put Dunge? Man, I still have uh, – I have RC and, and McGrath as kind of 1A and 1B. Um, and that and that's, could go round and round depending on how you feel about Supercross and all that. I still have uh, Ricky as my number one overall all-time racer just because I feel like – his Supercross didn't match up to McGrath, I'll give you that, but his overall dominance as a motocross racer just, to me, is puts him over the top. Um, and that, that's an argument that's never going to end, nor is there, I, I don't feel there's a right answer either. Uh, but I feel like those two have cemented themselves at the top. Um, behind them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, uh, put RV3 um, just because he beat Dungy four times in a row. 
and that was it kind of in Dungey's, I don't want to say it's prime, but it, how could it not be? You know, yeah. he was he was out there, they raced head-to-head, and, and RV beat him uh, four times in a row, other than the injury in 2010. Um, <clears throat> after that is where it gets interesting, because it really depends on how you want to look at it. Um, you know, Stu was maybe the fastest person I've ever seen ride a motorcycle, and his win total is very, very high, but he also had a propensity to throw it away. And his lost titles are almost speak as loud as the titles he did win because, man, if, if you really wanted to take a look at what he could have accomplished, it's, it's mind-blowing. I mean, could have, would have, should have for Stu, but, man, he left a lot on the table. Uh, and then, you know, Chad doesn't really have the title count to really stack up. Um, but I think, I think Dunge and Stu are, are right there. Uh, you know, we, we go back into the 80s and look at those guys, but they swapped around so much. You know, Wardy and RJ and those guys in Bailey before he was injured, um, they, they handed each other so many titles where Dunge kind of, I don't want to say dominated in 15 and 16, but he was, he was damn good, um, you know, 14, 15, 16. You know, for um, uh, for as much as though, as much as you used to talk about Stu leaving titles on the line and all that, he did. Stu is still second all time combined wins. Second. Yep. No, like, and, and that like, puts him up there. But right. you, if you look at his title count, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. anywhere where it should be. You know. But don't you feel like the Stu haters leave that fact out? They, well, yeah. I mean, people are going to leave out anything that benefits them. That's that's but human may, nature. Yeah, but maybe they don't even know it. They don't even realize. Yeah, they, they might not. And, and even me, I've had my issues with Stu, but I am very, very aware of what he was as a racer, and it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen when he was on. Um, just his racecraft left a lot of wins and titles on the table too. So I'm going to put, I'm going to stamp those guys as my top three. Where you go from there, I really can't say you're wrong. Um, Dungey on paper, I think puts him probably four. Um, but Stu visually on the, by the eye test is probably going to put him back into the number four. So I, I don't think there's a wrong answer to it, but it's so much fun to talk about that stuff because like we say, there's no wrong answers. It's all opinion. Weege, what do you think? You can really see how impressive Jeremy McGrath is when you look at the win stats of everyone that came after him. They're not overinflated. I mean, they won the races. They earned it. But the standard of domination and winning just changed so rapidly. And to me, the proof is, if you look at the all-time Supercross win list, it's McGrath or dudes that came after McGrath. They just dominated. It's like the top six, right? RC, McGrath himself, Stu, Reed, Dunge, Villapoto, they're all post-MC. Like, before MC, if you won half the races in a season, you crushed it. If you won five out of 15, you killed it. Yeah. Then it was like McGrath's like, if you're not winning every race, you ain't nothing. So I look at all the stats of anyone post-McGrath, and I, I feel like you have to look at it with a little bit of a filter of, Okay, Rick Johnson didn't win as many races as Dunge, and Bob Hanna didn't win as many races as Dunge. But the standard of how many races you could win and was possible was just different then. So I can't just say because of the numbers, those six dudes are, are the best. I, I don't ever want to sell short Bob Hanna's contributions, and maybe it was just because I was a kid when Rick Johnson was dominating, but I just know what it was like for two years or so, just being like, yeah, Rick Johnson can win any race, anytime, anywhere, any bike. He's amazing. He's unbelievable. I mean, that's just rare air. So like JT says, I think you can make an easy Carmichael, McGrath, and RV, and then the rest of it's just murky. Dunn does a lot more wins than Bob Hanna or Rick Johnson now, but that doesn't do it all for me. Uh, those guys 
were amazing also. Wow. So it's just so hard to pick out of that top three. I'll, I'll, I'll put Villapoto ahead of all those guys to me because he did it anywhere he needed to. I mean, he did it in all classes, all bikes, whatever he raced. He did it in donations. He did it indoors, out. He pretty much won all the titles he went for. So I'll put RV clearly ahead of all the rest of those guys. But uh, fourth on back, good Lord. Yeah. That's yeah. hard to figure. I, I, I think RV's designations record, Puts him up there as well, and and it's a little bit of a tarnish on Dunge three and three at Dis Nations, yeah, a few times as yeah, captain. I can make argument. The problem is, yep. I think third on back or, or RC RV and McGrath. I, I think it's hard to argue with anyone above them. But beyond that, there's strengths and weaknesses to everybody. And you're right, the Dunge three and three. Uh, doesn't help. Yeah, it, it, it helps somewhat, but it also hurts him somewhat. Um, Weed, you love wrestling a lot. Mm-hmm. What if today at Anaheim Stadium, and this podcast will probably go up Wednesday or Thursday, what if today at Anaheim Stadium, Dunge announces his retirement, DeCoster goes up there, you know, talks about Ryan, what a career he had, everything else, and then Roger says, I would like to introduce the fill-in for Ryan this summer. And from behind the curtain, a ripped James Stewart approaches it, rips off the number five, on the machine in front of Ryan, slaps on the seven and says, any questions, bitches? What then? I think there was a part of all of us that was hoping something like that would happen. <laughs> what? I think there was because we knew, we knew, obviously we knew, I hinted at it on our 250 pod. We all knew that this was coming. So it wasn't mind-blowing news. Although it was breaking news, although it was a special announcement, although it was a press conference, our questions were basically answered before the thing even started. So I think we were all like, but what if there was something else that we didn't see coming and there would be nothing, nothing that could match up to uh, Red Bull? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, we got a relationship with James. We could, we could see that working. Okay. Take he away could, the fact that, that factory ECU <laughs> that he wants so bad. <laughs> Take away the fact Roger hates him. Take away the fact that we don't know if James has been riding. Take away the fact. Yeah. <laughs> Take away 14 yeah. factors. But what if? Uh, how he rode last year outdoors? Yeah, yeah. That. No, I know. Like you could literally just. There's so many. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But that would be great. That would be just fantastic. I think he should come out like Iron Man. You know, like music and just the whole thing, like Tony Stark. That would be yeah, epic. Like uh, Dan- Alden, like standing in the background, like on a throne, like overlooking him. Like look what I've built. Yeah. Come back, yeah. like. Uh, well, Weege is a big Star Wars fan, so basically, uh, Alden is sort of the emperor. And and James is Darth Vader. He's coming home. Come back to the come back to the dark side of my training facility, James. Well, that's what Alden should do. He should make all of his guys sign non-disclosure, and then he should just put put James through the paces, like get him ready, and then just break him out. Yeah. No one sees it coming. Oh God, that would be great. great. We could we can always dream. That would be an emergency pod for sure. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a great career. Congratulations to Ryan. Uh, like we said, uh, uh, second all-time 450 motocross win, sixth in Supercross, eight titles. And, and and as I wrote again, one of the more unlikely eight-time title lists I think we've ever seen. Um, nobody had uh, Ryan doing any of this as an amateur. He was solid. He was good. But uh, he really, really uh, uh, surpassed all expectations. You know, James and Ricky and, and you know, and RV are like amateur phenoms, and you're like, okay, all right. Dunge, Dunge crafted himself into into being an icon, for sure. This has to be 
I know that the the coster has gotten plenty of attention, plenty of love, plenty of respect, plenty of talk about this Dungy thing through the years. But this has to be one of the greatest scouting moves in the history of the sport, or maybe the greatest. That they randomly picked this B rider. I, dude, I remember when DeCoster at Unadilla at the end of this would have been oh six. Oh six. Told me 06. this is what they were going to do, and I was I pretty much said, "Are you insane?" Like she was, I could not understand it. He's like, next to we're going to being a young man, uh, Ryan Benji, one of our amateurs up to the team. You know, we feel like if we work with someone at a young age, we can influence them. And I was like, what? <laughs> that guy? Did um, he turn into this? It has to be one of the greatest scouting moves of all time. It's like uh, what was Tom Brady in the sixth round? He was yeah. drafted, and that always gets talked about. What went wrong? Why did no one see it coming? This is ridiculous. Um, by the way, too, there's approximately 800 people who have taken credit for that over the years. I don't know if you guys have all heard oh, those stories. Of course. Yeah. Of course. There's... Roger gets, Roger's great. There's no doubt. He's the man. There's no doubt. The track record speaks for itself. There's no doubt. But there are other things that he probably gets credit for where there are other people that deserve some of no, or no, the credit. I, so I'm not I don't sa- want to put it all on him, but I'm just saying whoever no, put no. this together. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not true. Weege, I'm not saying it's not true. I have no idea. I'm just yeah. saying there's 800 guys right. who have taken credit for Ryan Dungey, for spotting yeah. Ryan Dungey. And, and, and again, well, I, good I, for them. They should. Yeah. I fight for it too. Right, right. Um, so you never really know exactly who spotted Ryan Dungey first, uh, yeah. you know, and, and put him on this team and, and said to give him a tryout at Glen Helen that day or whatever. So I can uh, tell you who it wasn't. It wasn't me because I was on his flight and I was thinking, man, this guy's in for a world of hurt. Uh, what do you do? Like eleven five at his first race or something? He got, I think he got seventh or eighth overall. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, he, okay. he was he was okay. Yeah. But we we wore the same gear that year. We were sponsored by the same gear company, so we were all chatting it up at the uh, at the airport. And I was just looking at him like, man, you are about to get your ass whooped coming out of the B class tomorrow. That's what I'm thinking in my head. And right. then he goes out and gets top ten. I'm like, uh, all right, maybe he's okay. Yeah, maybe he's good. It's kind of like uh. It was Millville, though, so everybody went, oh, it's Millville. But I remember when RC... Yeah, but that's solid. I mean, no, I, no, you I, can't just do that out of the B class. Like, he obviously had something. No, but in 97, RC goes 1-1 at Gainesville over in Lampson. The Jesus... Yeah, but he went 17-6, or 16-7 at Steel yeah. City, his first race. So it's remarkably similar. But everyone's like, ah, oh, it's Gainesville. Ricky knows the track, whatever. And then we go to the next round, and Ricky again works everybody, and then... Excuses kept people. People were like, "Oh, wait a minute. Maybe there's actually nothing to this. Maybe he's actually just really good." Um, yeah. All right. So, time for the fourth motocross preview. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, can we just? I think we're good. I think we could just say one sentence each, and we're good. Actually, let's take a commercial break here. Listen to this commercial from okay. Race Tech, Pulp Mech Seventeen, and from Michelin Starcross Five. New tire from those guys. We're going to get into the four fifty motocross preview once we come back after this break. Uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on Racer X. I want to talk to you a little bit about Race Tech. The folks at Race Tech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right. If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Race Tech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Race Tech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. 
Also, too, Race Tech doing engines now, valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Race Tech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Race Tech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Race Tech. Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet... You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows, they might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Dune Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. And we're back! Fly Racing Racer X Podcast presented by Alpine Stars Protect, everybody. Uh, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas on the line. Alright, so... First question, do either one of you think Eli Tomac goes 24-0 this summer? Nope. Me neither. Weege? Sorry, you to my line. No, I don't. No. No, okay. All right. So we got that straight because lots of people are saying that's, that's, that's going to happen. It's just it's, it's really tough to see that. But uh, having said that, does Eli Tomac clinch this title a race early? Sure. I'll give you that, JT. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at that, but there's no way he's going to – well, I shouldn't say no way, but I, I do not believe he's going to go 24-0. I think his starts are suspect at times, um, and I think that guys like Baggett and Marvin and Anderson and those guys are going to have motos where they're just uh, – they find find the pace and do it. You know, Let, Let's not forget last year at Hangtown, both Anderson and, uh, and Baggett ran him down and, and – uh, moto one and moto two so we can't discount that and just think that eli's going to win every single moto all year uh the year before that though eli won every won both motos by over a minute so he's got a really sure. spotty yeah. no he's got a really spotty track record yeah there's just a variance there so you can't just assume he's yeah. gonna win everything um who challenges him marv 
Baggett, Jason Anderson. I have all those guys written down, and I have Cooper Webb written down. What do we think? Weege? Yeah, Marvin is the one that first comes to mind for me just because his improvement in Supercross was so massive. He's, to me, a little bit more of a wild card. I feel like consistently Tomac has proven to be better than most, except Roxon and Dunge, who he's battled with. I'm not even going to say they were. Even if they were racing, you would certainly be putting Tomac in the, in the hunt against those two. But now that they're out, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, yeah, but he's raced Anderson a lot, and he's usually been better. And he's raced back a lot. Most of the time he's come out on top. It wasn't that way in the 250s, but in the 450s it has been. But Marvin, the Marvin in Supercross last year to Supercross this year improved so much. To me, that's a little bit of a question mark of how much better can Marvin get. So I'll put him at the head of that uh, challenger list. Not like Anderson or Baggett or Slouches, but that's what I'm looking at right now. What do you think, JT? Yeah, I kind of have uh, I have those three that I named off just a few minutes ago. Um, Marvin, Anderson, and Baggett. Uh, I don't know who else. I mean, JG, maybe. We we can never really count out JG having that one-off moto. That's just how we roll sometimes. Right. But you're not putting Coop in there? I put Coop in there. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I'm interested to see how he comes out. I haven't heard great things from the practice tracks about Coop, but you've got to think that he's going to be uh, he's gonna be fast. I mean, that's just uh, he's the defending 250F national champion, you know, and, and he seems like he's a gamer. He's not so much a practice guy. He's a gamer. Um, but I think – you know those four, but I really have those three that we named being uh, being the ones that really give him a challenge right away. Anyway, maybe, maybe Cooper takes a little bit to get warmed up, mm-hmm. just like he did last year. But but I think Baggett comes out swinging even next weekend. I think Baggett surprises a lot of people that are not, that aren't expecting it. Yeah, Baggett's fast at Hangtown. Always been really good at Hangtown yep. over the years. He passed Eli last year to get you yeah. know on the podium right. before he hurt himself. I think he had a two-year streak in two of these of winning it too. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah, Baggett's got some sneaky, quiet hype about him, huh, JT? He does. I mean, the people that know are, you know, quietly confident. I'll give you that. Um, he's been very, very fast at the practice track. He's very confident in himself. Um, the real, I don't think speed or anything's going to be a question. I think the real question is, can he do it week in and week out, avoid the mistake and avoid the little crash? Um, to put himself in a position to win a championship. I think the rest of it's going to be there. I think he'll come out, be top three in qualifying. I think his starts are going to be on point. We've seen it, great starts from him all season. Um, but to beat Eli Tomac, you're going to have to be firing on every single cylinder and have your game completely together. Whether he so, can do that is only up to him. Who gets second? I'll go with Marv. Sounds like you're going Blake. Bag it. I think Blake, uh, I think Blake gets second at Hangtown. Yep, I no, no, Either no, first se- or second. Second yep. overall points in the points yeah i like blake i, I do okay uh Weege, what do you think yeah i'm gonna go marvin it wouldn't surprise me at all also for for web to be in there with that group it's just so hard to jump in there right now on that because mm-hmm. it's just the supercross didn't work out for him at all right and like jt i've heard some stuff uh about how he's riding right now although with cooper i think that's always been the case i think he's always a guy that races better than he is on last times two months earlier uh so you never know but yeah i'm gonna pick marv as my my number two guy you guys got to, like I said on the TV program, you guys got to back it down on the stopwatch national talk because you always hear the same stuff. You always do. This yeah, guy's good. This guy's sure, bad. That has been, yeah, that has been the case with Webb every year. When, when it comes to what you heard from April and May testing, right. Jeremy Martin was hauling ass and Cooper Webb is struggling. And then when they raced, they were actually fairly similar. And uh, uh, I that know, could be the case. And yeah. I know Webb, Webb for sure has scrapped Supercross stuff for six weeks now. 
been yeah. riding outdoors kind of just after his injury, after he got back. So um, Anderson, certainly fast. He's a bit inconsistent, huh, Wygant? Like starts-wise and, 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 and is he even racing Thunder Valley? Like can he make it through Thunder Valley? Yeah, that that one is a big question. They keep trying different ways to solve this altitude problem that he has. It worked in Salt Lake City this time, showing up late, leaving early. Anderson has never been as good outdoors consistently as Supercross. He's had some good motos here and there, but uh, he's always performed better indoors than out. Now, I think some things just come to riders more slowly, and as they age, they get better at it, and I think he's getting there. But um, I don't think he's quite the same threat level that I thought of him going into Supercross this year as outdoors, until he proves otherwise. I think he's always been a little better at Supercross. Uh, JT, what do you think about Anderson? Hard for Anderson to win the the title or get second if he can't race at Lakewood. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, he's going to have to make a hard choice on that, and it basically removes him from any title contention. The big thing with Anderson is consistency. Um, I think he'll have really good weekends. I think Hangtown will be a, a bright point for him. But there's weekends where he just struggles, and those basically take you out of any chance. So the oddball weekends where you've got to get really good points, but it may not be your best track, you know, a track like Southwick or just these random East Coast, you know, facilities that may not be his best, you know, um, venue. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that can kill you as far as a point scenario. So. I don't have him in title contention, but I think uh, I think he'll have bright spots, you know, like and Hangtown could be one of those to get him off on the right foot. All right, we each I have all the riders listed that I could list on the different teams uh, that are racing, and I have a giant question mark beside one name. Who do you think that is? Uh, Ryan Dungey. I think you got an no. answer, bro. No, 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 not no, definitely not. One guy that I'm like, I don't know, could be really good, could not be. Stu's not racing. Just give it up. <laughs> Stu's not racing. Dude, but if he was. Um, no. Reed does not have an outdoor deal. I mean, he's pretty much said that he's a free agent. His, his deal is over. So you really can't guess it? All right, I'll tell you. Josh it's, Grant. No. No. It's Fly Racing's own Trey Kennard. Like, seriously. Oh. Like, you yeah. probably forgot him, Weege. You probably forgot. Um, I only remembered him today because <laughs> in the Dunge press conference, they referenced helping Marv, and I'm going to still be there to help Marv, and we want Marv to win the title and keep the title with KTM. And I'm like, wow, there are no other KTM riders? And I'm like, who's – oh, yeah, wait, they also, on the XX team, not just Troy Lee guys or yeah. BTO or Rocky Mountain or whatever. Oh, wait, there's another Red Bull KTM rider. But he's completely off the radar. Well, he's ready for Hangtown, right, JT? Is he? He's, I didn't. I don't think I thought so. he broke his collarbone. Social media, he's like coming into Hangtown. Like he's been saying that. Oh. He, he's like, it's, it's, that's news to me. Feeling good for outdoors. So I, I don't build his gear. That's uh, that's our athlete manager, Max Steffens, but I, that's news to me. I hope so. That'd be great. He broke his collarbone like a couple weeks ago, didn't he? Yeah, I, that's it really surprising. It wasn't true. a couple weeks ago. Sure, it was. No, 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 no. He had the I'm out because of the virus. "Quote unquote virus." Yeah, yeah, it's been. Then he broke his collarbone. There's a, there's been another bump in the road. Yeah, Paula. At Paula, he broke his collarbone. That was like yeah. two weeks ago. Yep. So I don't think he's coming in hot. I don't think he's coming at all. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I swear I saw some posts from him that. I was oh man, like, I'm telling you, he's he broke his collarbone at Paula like literally two weeks ago. All right. So my next question mark then. Justin Barsha. 
JGR, Suzuki's Justin Barsha. Suzuki's going to have Bogle, Pickle, Barsha, and Pike should be racing. He'll take a while, I think, to be up to 100% speed, but uh, Pike will be racing. So, um, Barsha, where are we at, Weege? Uh, man, I was looking at his Supercross results, and I know Supercross is different. Um, but I believe he had two top tens, and they were ninth. Or maybe he had two ninths and a tenth. But once again, again, we have reached this point three straight seasons. There has been no sign whatsoever, nothing, that would indicate anything is about to happen. He did win a heat race at Daytona. I'm sure they'll hang their hat on that and say that points to outdoors, but we all know the way Daytona is these days. You just get the start, and it's virtually impossible to get past. So to me, there is nothing. So this is a complete, I'll believe it when I see it, but I'm not putting him on the contenders list uh, until I see it. I, I just can't see how you could be that drastically. Well, I, I understand that Webb maybe has spent the last six weeks coming back from his injury not trying uh, to work on Supercross stuff, but Barsha has been back much longer. He definitely was not in outdoor mode in February when he came back. So okay. well, I can't see it turning around that dramatically. He's done it before. In his defense. I'm not going to buy it until I see it. In his defense, he came back to Supercross last year on JGR Yamaha. He went 16, 15, 11, 19, 15, 10 in Supercross. Nothing spectacular, just kind of what he's doing now, right? He then goes 7 at Hangtown, 7 at Thunder Valley, 5 at High Point, at Redbud, he goes four three five 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 two two to end the year. So a better outdoor season after coming back from injury and after sucking at Supercross than you think. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, but to me, I, I I agree with that, and I think honestly, we listened to these preview pods for the last two years. I think I said in fifteen. No chance it's going to work, and it actually did. And then I said last year, well, because it worked in 15, I think it's going to work in 16. Mm -hmm. It didn't work quite as well. He didn't win those races. But to me, the difference is he's been hurt in Supercross the last three years, but he came back earlier this time. So I feel like the Supercross was a more realistic test of what he's really got than there was last year when he came back much later. So that's why this is discouraging me more than last year. Fourth overall in the points last year. Um where are you at, JT? Yeah, he and Marvin were almost an equal at the end of the year. He and Marvin battled for podiums. They were kind of the third, fourth guy. But I don't see him at Marvin's level right now. JT, where are you at on Barsha? I'm curious. Um, I'm, I'm, the jury's out for me. Uh, I think he has the potential to do well. When you look at Barsha, he seems like he is an opportunistic guy. Uh, and I think he's looking at this with Dungy stepping away. Tomac's the guy. I think he's smart enough to realize Tomac's kind of on a different level than everybody at the moment. But I, I really believe in whether he's misguided or whether he's correct, only he can decide that. I think he feels like there's an opening to get second here and consistently get second. And whether he can fulfill that, that's anybody's guess. Um, but I think he'll do well because I, I do think he thrives when opportunity is there. Um, just like at the end of last outdoor season, things were kind of mellow. There wasn't a lot of uh, championship stuff going on. You know, Roxon had dominated. Um, Tomac was doing all right, but, you know, the racing was kind of over, and Barsha stepped up, and he started doing really well. I think Barsha sees this as a good chance for him. I, I know he wants that KTM bike for next year. 
And for him, if he can go out and put in some results right now, when KTM is reeling from the loss of their number one, I think that bodes really well for him. So I fully expect his best effort, and I, I think he'll do all right. You know, is he, whether all right is second place or sixth place, um, that's up. You know, we'll, we'll find out on Saturday. Well, but I, I think he rides well. In your opinion, has he beat Marv? Does he beat Blake? Does I think he, he does at times, yeah. I, I think it'll be uh, situational. You know, Marv is a great rider, and I think Marv will have his weekends where he's just better than Justin. But I think Justin will have his weekends where he's better than Marv, too. I do think, uh, you know, that, that Suzuki is a, a really good outdoor bike. I think he'll he'll find his way on it. You know, the interesting thing will be, does he get the whole shots that he used to get on the Yamaha? That's, that's yet to be seen. You sound more optimistic than Wygant. I am optimistic. Yeah, I do. I think uh, I think the ability's there. He looked a lot better at the end of Supercross, uh, especially at some of the the worst um, dirt tracks like Seattle. He looked really aggressive. Um, so I'm I'm uh, quietly optimistic about how he's going to ride. All right. So Webb and Barsha and maybe Dino, kind of the same area. JG, Tickle. Yeah, I think Anderson will be in that group at times, too, um, especially on some of the East Coast tracks that uh, maybe favor Barsha or, Mar- or Marvin a bit more. Um, but I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of I guess, the pecking order needs to be decided between these guys because I think there's a lot of guys that think they should be somewhere two, three, four, five, and there's only a few of those spots because I, I know Dino's eyeing it, Barsha's eyeing it, Marvin, Anderson, uh, right. Webb, Baggett. Grant, all those guys are thinking that's where they belong. And as we know, there's only a few spots. Um, so those guys have got to sort it out for themselves. But there's a lot of guys that, you know, with Dungey stepping out and Tomac, I think Tom, everyone views Tomac as the guy right now. But that those second few spots, there's two podium spots up for grabs every weekend. I think there's a lot of people with their eye on those two spots. I agree with you, but hard for me to see anybody. So Tomac's up front, two more spots on the podium that you just spoke of, JT. Hard for me to see anybody but Marv, Blake, and Anderson with a touch, a sprinkling of Cooper Webb grabbing those spots. I mean, it will happen, of course. Bad starts, mechanicals, injuries, all that kind of stuff. But if everybody stays healthy and on paper, I see two spots for four guys. And Weege, do you agree? Marv, Blake, Anderson, Webb grabbing the final two spots most of the time? Yeah, and here's how I'll illustrate this. I think there's a chance that Webb figures it all out, puts it together, and by the second part of the year, he's actually the second-best guy. And this is obviously we're all going in the assumption that Tomac is not 24-0 unbeatable, but mm-hmm. practically untouchable. So we're pretty much saying who's next. I think there is a chance that Webb can leapfrog all those guys and become the second-best guy. I don't think that I would say that about Barsha, that he's going to become clearly better than Marvin, clearly better than Anderson, clearly better than Baggett. But I could see Webb pulling that off. So that's the difference, I think. Webb has a more of a upside, I guess is the way we'd put it in draft terms. Right. Uh, Sealy. We haven't talked about Sealy. 5'6 guy, huh? Probably, JT? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Cole does. Um, many people don't consider him an outdoors guy, but he's been sneaky good at times. Uh, I think Hangtown's a track that, that works for him. You know, it's not crazy rough um it's a little bit technical in the fact that there's you know the traction side you have to you have to search for traction at times and, it, and he seems like he rides hangtown pretty well so if he jumped out there and got a hole shot and and showed up in the top five in a moto or two that wouldn't shock me for hangtown mm-hmm. i think uh, i think he's capable of that 
Chile got uh, sneaky good toward the beginning of the year uh, last year, and then he got hurt. But uh, he was sniffing around the podium fairly consistently uh, for a little bit. Yeah, he went. And then he went out. Yeah, he went uh, like six two nine six three six again. Last few races. Yeah, Thunder Valley, he went 6-3 for fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had a fourth again, I think, at Muddy Creek. He had two fourths. Uh, Muddy Creek, he went No, he got a 6. six. So 3-6. Right, so he had two races out of three where he went 3-6. So he was fourth overall, but he was had podium finishes at the Motos. He was kind of in that mix. Yeah. And I remember it, actually, because in his podium interviews, he kept saying, I'm just trying to... Not in jest. He was saying it playfully. But he's like, I'm just trying to prove to all you guys that say I'm only a Supercross guy that I can do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, the bigger question now is he's got this lingering injury that he didn't get healed up and he hurt himself again in Supercross. And it was especially magnified on the rutted tracks where it's pulling your legs off the bike. Uh, That's not a good combination going into the outdoors. So I'm actually more worried about him from the injury standpoint. I think riding-wise, outdoors now, he can get in the mix with these dudes we're talking about. But right. is he ready? I don't know. Are you saying that there's ruts that pull your legs off the bikes outdoors? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like the New Jersey Supercross bit him. So <laughs> good luck with 24 motos of that. Um, hey, we're not talking much about Dino either. Uh, to me, stamp it 5-10 to 10 guy every week. Right? Uh, maybe better. Maybe better. So people, make sure you attach him on Twitter as soon as I say that. But uh, yeah, five to ten guy for sure. We agree. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, his, yeah, the one thing for Dino yeah. is his starts have got to get better. They are just absolutely atrocious. Um, and every once in a while, I'll get a good start. I'm not saying it's every single time, but as the majority of the time, he's putting himself in such a deep hole that. You know, it's not going to be a different outdoors. If he starts 20th, uh, I got news for you. Guys like Barsha and Webb and guys that you think you can race with, you're not going to see those guys. So until he fixes that problem, the, the other problems are secondary. Weech? As far as Dean is concerned, he definitely accomplished what I'm sure he wanted to do, which was finally get through Supercross without getting hurt, which in the 450s he's actually never done that. So I have a feeling that he spent most of the season – wanting to get top fives or wanting to get podiums, but always keeping in the back of his mind, just finish in the top ten and don't get hurt. So mission accomplished and pat on the back, kudos, all that stuff to him. But at some point, he's going to have to get back to the we can work with speed level. I mean, that's ultimately what gets you hired. He, he needed to get one season under his belt for sure, and he did it. But at some point, you've got to be more than a top ten guy. I'm sure he doesn't want to just be a top ten guy for the rest of his career. And that's not what gets you paid. And he's had great success outdoors before. So you got to wonder if he's starting to think now, all right, I made it through Supercross. i got to show some signs here again. And I think just that difference in mentality might make a difference in his results. I mean, he has the ability. We know it. Just waiting for that spark to come back. Don't you guys find it a bit weird that Yamaha is just going out with Cooper Webb? Like, one guy? We're going the races? Surprised they never found well, anybody. Dino, Dino was their backup. No, I know, plan. but they never found anybody else. You know, I don't know. I guess there's. Well, who who are they going to get? Um, I don't know, JT. Mookie? I mean, Mookie. There's, not a, there's not a lot of. They want guys that can do really, really well, right? Their factory level team. You know, getting a guy inside the, the top twenty doesn't really benefit them so much, in, in my opinion. Uh, and there's, I mean, there's just not a lot of a lot of free agents out there that can do that. So, um, well, and yeah, we'll see um, how it goes. Uh, JT, who got sixth in the points last year? 
Who got sixth in points? Yes, um, which will throw I'll say Josh Grant. It'll throw our total podcast preview out out the window. Benny Bloss, which is exactly why, wow. which Good is exactly him. why all these podcasts are such. You know, if it, well, you know, like, and he's gonna he's gonna miss at least four races. No, I know, but I'm uh, saying like a guy like that could come out and injuries and everything else and our whole yeah, you know, but. Yep. Nice work for Benny Bloss last year. And yeah, so it was. he's going to miss four uh, races, you said, at least, and then he'll be back. Yeah, I, w- I would be surprised if it's not more than that, right. but I know it's going to be at least four. Um, and Pike should take a while to get up to speed, but I think Pike can be a, like a Dean Wilson for sure, five to ten guy, if not better. Yeah, he'll, he'll be fast. Um, I think Hangtown's a good track for him. He'll be really fast right away, but he's. He's going to be hurting. Uh, 94 degrees on Saturday is, is not probably what he wanted to see. Um, and before he exited the series, Wygant Tickle had gotten two third overalls. Or maybe even second at Redbutt. But he was on the podium two times in a row before he left. Yeah, and like legit. You know, not just a bunch of dudes crashed. Like no. he was going, he, all of a sudden it was like he just found 10% more. Yeah. Uh, the standard sixth or seventh in every moto, no matter who's racing, no matter where he starts, he will always get sixth or seventh. All of a sudden, he just found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that ended what at uh, Thunder Valley with that unbelievable yeah. crash with Pike. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, not Millville. Thunder. Yeah, Mill- Spring Millville. Creek. Yeah, yeah, Spring Creek. I'm, I'm picturing Spring Creek. and like, saying the wrong word. Like yeah, last like, Millville, but uh, like last lap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, uh, it was the classic. Pike got the worst of it, but Tickle got hurt because <laughs> right. Pike could not be broken. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, to me, when you're always sixth or seventh, no matter who's racing, no matter where you start, you tend to think the guy's going to get sixth or seventh. But I don't know what was going on midsummer, but he was starting to really put it together. Yeah, yeah. Somebody we could be yeah. not thinking about that could be Benny Bloss, sixth overall in the points at the end of the year. You know, or Phil. Phil got fifth overall last year. Um, yep. You know, so Tickle could easily take that spot, right, JT? Don't you? Don't you think? I mean, he's behind. The I think so. But it, it, yeah. is he coming in ready? I, I didn't uh, know. I think he's still yeah. hurt. He's maybe not still hurt, but yeah. Like he's. I don't know what that means. Like he's he, he's going to be racing, but he's not 100. percent He's racing, yeah. but not 100. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, so he'll work into it, right. you know, and and he'll be suffering on Saturday just like everybody else who's not 100 percent ready because Hangtown is already brutally tough because it's the bumps are so sharp. But I'm telling you what, 94 degrees at Hangtown when you're not in the swing of the season yet is just torture. It's going to be really tough on these guys. Look for Josh Grant to come out strong at Red Butter Millville for sure. Um, but he's had a nice season. I would nice... him to come out strong this weekend. Yeah, he's had he's a good season. He's been really good at Hangtown over the years. Yep. He's had a good season. So maybe he can just keep it going and he can be just like, yeah, you know. He's you know? really confident right now. Um, he rides these California tracks really well. I'm, I wrote it in my column that comes out tomorrow, or comes out Thursday, excuse me. If he gets a hole shot on Saturday, look out, because he will drop the hammer on these guys. Uh, I don't know where that ends up, but he is one of those guys that if you give him a start, he truly believes he can win on any given day. So be careful. Yeah. Good at, great at Glen Helen, of course. Uh, Christian Craig on the factory Honda. Where are you at on him, Weech? Dude, it's so hard to figure. We have very little outdoor data uh, at all. He had a couple good races when he came back from retirement two years ago, and then last year he got hurt at Glen Helen. And I think at Hangtown, what, he was like last in both motos off the start. Uh, so with that little bit of data to go on, 
uh, and this class, at least right now, being pretty stacked, I think it's going to be tough on him for a while. I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes one of those blossom-like guys where you're like, hey, look, he's putting together a really good season here. But uh, I think it's going to be tough right off the bat if all these other guys are ready and coming out swinging. Put maybe, should we look for a lot of Justin Bogle, Christian Craig battles? Dude, I hate to say it, but I, I'm glad we didn't do a Supercross wrap-up pod because, to me, Bogle had the worst season. He had the worst season of anyone. <laughs> he had zero good races at all. Kenny Roxon would, disag- uh, would disagree, by the way. But <laughs> Hey, Roxon uh, won two races. Yeah. Uh, Roxon can say, like, had I not had a, as he likes to say, uh, freak accident, not a crash, but a freak accident, I'm sure Roxon's mind, he would have been champion. At least Roxon tied here, but... Dungy other for for real wins with no asterisk. Roxon tied Dungy. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure serious. Roxon's I mean, you, I I know that's not fair, but that's that's. I mean, that's real. Um. Yeah, I guarantee you that's what Roxon says to himself. Probably once a week. Like I had it, uh, and once I get back, I'll be fine. But if you're Bogle, it's really hard to find anything right now. Like. Everybody randomly ends. If he raced most of the races, you end up randomly having one race where it just comes together and you get fifth. Bogle's done that himself before, but I don't know what the situation was, but, oh, my God, it was never good. So uh, he's got a lot to prove, but until he does it, um, no, I, I would put Craig ahead of him. You would? Yeah, okay. Craig um, was pretty good on those, at those 450 Supercrosses for just jumping on there. Yeah. He was already, to me, ahead of Bogle at that point. If they did battle, it would, be, it would look glorious because they both look good on a bike. Oh, I see the style. Yeah, the style would be good. <laughs> um, Marty? Marty's on a 450, JT? Where's he at? It's going to be tough. Um, I, don't have, uh, I don't have big big expectations for Marty. I think this, this 450 class is uh, going to be a surprise for him. I think it was a surprise for him the last time he tried to ride a 450, which was at uh, Oakland in 2014. 2015. Um, yeah, let's just uh, let's just say I think it's going to be a tough go for him. 94 degrees on Saturday. I don't think that's going to help. Possible sleeper Heath Harrison. No. 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 Okay. All right. I mean, a sleeper. I don't. I don't feel like a sleeper is a fair like fair word. Like to use. lurking right outside the top ten. That's not a sleeper. No. I feel like that's no. a big sleeper when it's Heath Harrison. I don't think so. I don't think people would put just outside the top ten as a, as a sleeper. Ah, how many people know who Heath Harrison is and all that, you know? I don't know. Okay. Well, oh. I mean, I, for a sleeper, I think somebody that was like, man, I didn't even expect him to be on TV. Like, look at him. He's running, like, fourth. Like, oh. that's Benny Bloss last year at Unadilla. I don't think running 11th or 12th is a sleeper. That That's an opinion thing, I guess. But Fast Freddie Norn, sleeper? I read that interview that uh, we, we had on Racer X. I don't really know what Freddie's program is. It sounds it doesn't sound like he knows what, what his program is. If he had Roxon's bike, I would say. Even after we ran that, I was still going to ask you. You don't know either. What's that, Reese? Even after we ran that, I still didn't know. So no. I was going to ask you. <laughs> you don't know either. No, I don't. No, I, I, he's like, well, I'm racing, but I'm basing here. I'm going to put my bike with somebody. I got a bike from this yeah. guy. Uh, geez, Freddie. So if um, you gave him if you gave him Roxon's bike, I would say yes. But otherwise, I I don't know. Tenth overall that. last year for Fast Freddy, and tenth overall the year before. So, um, all right. What else? Uh, I think we need to discuss this. We the crown 
the crown oh, is being boy. handed to Tomac, right? Oh, oh boy. We're all handing the crown to Tomac. And there was no crown. As, there was no crown. Yeah, that's why I say that on purpose. Now, listen, Tomac wasn't, I don't think, last year what he is this year. I, I, to me, it's pretty obvious that the shoulders held him back last year. And once he had a whole year to recover, he was monstrously miles ahead in Supercross where he was last year. So I think he'll be better outdoors than he was last year. And even last year, he was still way ahead of everyone else, except Roxon, who's gone. Having said all that, what's interesting about this now, if Tomac screws it up, if he crashes and hurts himself, holy crap, is this wide open. Yeah, absolutely. 2007 all over again. We have... uh... Yeah. One, two, we have... This season could not be more reminiscent of 2007 if Tomac has some sort of problem. We have three national yeah. champions in the... We have three national champions in the po- in the class. Webb... Carmichael, Carmichael goes out with retirement, a la Dungey. Stu takes the reins, a la Tomac. If Tomac goes out, it's a free-for-all. And Timmy Ferry wins? GL leaves the booth and wins the title. <laughs> GL uh, finds... GL runs an illegal frame, by the way, and wins the title. <laughs> that is also just, true. Yes, I just want to make that well, clear. Well, Webb might want one of those, so this will work out perfectly on the Yamaha. GL shows up with a belt sander to take some frame material off of Webb's bike. <laughs> um, hey, GL was a rookie in the 450 class trying to come to terms with the 450 Yamaha, and when suddenly the path to the title came open, he's a guy that can rally and motivate himself. Many of those things would also apply to Cooper Webb. Uh, yes, absolutely. And by the way, yeah. we're not wishing any Ill, Ill harm on Tomac, but saying that Tomac could crash and hurt himself is not absolute crazy talk. It's not. He's done it. So it's not like talking about Ryan Dungey, you know, crashing and getting hurt, or or Ricky for that matter. I wouldn't put him on a stew yeah. level of hey stew like I wouldn't put him on a stew level because there was only only stew on that level and no one else. But it's not absolute crazy talk. We saw him at uh, we saw him at Thunder Valley, uh, you know, crash and everything else. So it, it could happen, maybe. Yeah, just as recently as the New Jersey race with him going down. I mean, it, well, he didn't get hurt or anything, but it quickly picked up the chatter from veteran dudes, including um, Grant Langston himself, who was on. Uh, the original and still best uh, Moto podcast uh, that week, and said, hey, man, until he proves he can close, he hasn't proved he can close. So I think we all know he's the overwhelming favorite. There's no doubt about it. He's the fastest guy, no doubt about it. He should be able to hold it together, no doubt about it. But I'm just saying, any rider is one mistake away. And we went in the Supercross basically saying, Tomac, Broxton, and Dungey were the main three guys. Well, two of them aren't even racing. So now we're down to only one guy that has to screw up for every one of these other guys to – one of them would have to win it, so that's kind of intriguing. I would uh, I would argue that Tomac closed quite well, two hundred and fifty motocross series, outlasting Roxon near the end. So I would argue. I don't know, man. Point. I heard red plate. I heard the red plate in New Jersey just crumbled. That's what I was. That's okay. the veteran thing. All right. Okay. You guys ever lifted a red plate? <laughs> it's apparently very heavy. I like how it was the red plate, and then when I asked him about the red plate to see if that mattered, he said, uh, "I had the red plate actually on my bike in Salt Lake City." And uh, yeah, no, it didn't affect me there. I heard it was heavy, and then I heard that uh, Josh Grant and Chattery just dug deep. That's what I heard. Oh. All those things all combined. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I can't take. I can't take it. I heard all those I things. Can't, I can't take it. 
I'm gonna. I will lose my mind over this at some point. This non-call of the bunch-up theory that apparently did not happen. Yeah. You can't double down on that, Weege. You cannot double down. After you've done it, you can't go on a show the next week and double down again. I, I, you can't. No. There, there's overwhelming evidence, starting with Tomac saying he did it. <laughs> starting with a confession. We'll just start there. Yes. Um, yeah. So, so Kennard comes back at some point, and Millsaps should be back at some point, we think. Uh, Tentatively, yes. That's yep. the plan. We'll see how that goes. Right, right. Um, all right. I guess that's about it. They're not putting anybody else in the Rocky Mountain truck until Boss comes back. It's just bag it. Uh, Dakota Alex is filling in for oh. uh, Davey. And then, uh, oh, okay. so they'll have two there, and then Boss will make three um, okay. after a few rounds. And I think Weimer is still lurking. I've talked to him the other day. He's still around. If somebody at JGR goes out. So Weimer could find himself outdoor ride. Only only JGR would have a full-time fill-in rider who's Phil, who's out, and they have to have a second <laughs> fill-in rider ready to go. And Phil, speaking of Phil, Phil, is, Phil Nicoletti is hoping to make it back by the end of the Nationals, and we hope so. We hope we see Phil back out. Um, all right, so sleeper picks then. For this summer. Sleeper yeah, pick. Who's yours, Heath Harrison? You know what? Screw you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. My, <laughs> my sleeper pick is Heath Harrison. And Why do you don't have to say screw me? That's not hey, fair. And wait till you see Heath at old Muddy Creek, bro. Wait till you see him right there at Muddy Creek. And maybe Mike Brown at Muddy Creek. God, I hope so. Weej, weren't you supposed to do Get something Mike like that? Get Mike to Muddy? Weren't you supposed to do something, Weej? Get Mike oh, to yeah. Muddy. It's getting a little late. I was supposed to tell... Uh, Bobby Hewitt, give Mike Brown a factory bike. I forgot. <laughs> get Mike to muddy. We're down to three weeks. <laughs> we gotta, can we get? Can we make this happen, Wyatt? Uh, I, I better send a text out right now. I don't. I don't. I cannot believe this all came down to me. But uh, I was talking to Mike Brown about it, and I said I would help, and I've done nothing. <laughs> but you're the voice of outdoors and the voice of enduro cross. So you're the yeah. you're the bridge. Yeah. I'm the Mike Brown expert. Yes, I'm the only one that can bridge these two worlds. All right, so Heath Harrison's my sleeper pick, and by that. I just mean I think Heath goes – Heath finishes 10 to 15 in the points. That's what I that's, – that's, that's not a sleeper. Absolutely it is. Well, again, who's your sleeper? I like the Heath Harrison one because he was pretty good last year and he was driving in the races and everything. So now he's full-on cycle trader Rock River, right? Yep. Yeah, that's pretty good. But uh, I don't want to just pick the same guy you picked. Um how about Jerry Robin? I don't even know if he's racing the 450s, but I feel like he's been fast. Uh, and he can all, all sleepers need to do is put in a couple good results here and there. So there we go. All right. That's, that's way off the board. That's like the Bears picking Trubisky at two, trading up that, for two. That's a sleeper. That's what sleepers are all about. You, and when you don't even know if he's racing the class, that's a definite yes. sleeper. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go... Man, sleeper. I, I, there's some. There's so many obvious ones. Um, I'm gonna go JG. I'm gonna go JG. I think. Uh, I think he's got something up his sleeve. Um, I think he. Uh, right. I think he's gonna come out, especially these first two rounds. Maybe the first three rounds. The first three rounds are arguably his best tracks. I shouldn't say that. Millville no, and Redbud are great for him too. Yeah. But I think these first three. I think he's gonna come out swinging. 
All right, so that would cover my next category then. Uh, biggest surprise. And JG would qualify as a surprise if you were saying he's going to be a sleeper. Cause Isn't a sleeper a surprise? I think I feel like it's the same category. No, someone who's going to, like, um, someone known that's going to surprise. You know, sleeper is like a guy that's under the radar that no one's talking about, Heath Harrison, Jerry Robin. Um, and, and they come up and they surprise you. A surprise is a guy that's going to step up, a known guy. I'll that's take Barsha. I'll take Barsha. We just definitely not taking Barsha for his surprise. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go Sealy. I'm gonna go Coop. I think Coop does some damage. That defending 250 outdoor champion is your surprise pick. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because I think I think he's a rookie in the outdoor class, and maybe people are forgetting that Coop is Coop, and he's he's got to be right, pissed go off. Go on a limb. Yeah. No. That's I, cool. I'm gonna pick a multi-million dollar rider. That's my right. surprise. Yamaha's number one rider worldwide and the defending 250 outdoor champion. I think he starts. You know what? I'm sick of you people and your Blake Baggett hype. Like, I'm sick of it. I've heard it over and over and over. Uh, Blake's going to be really good, for sure. But everyone behind the scenes is just stroking Blake off. I will go with Coop. I don't th- he just got married, so I don't think that's happening. I will go Coop as, like, Wygant's theory about being a number two guy. At some point. He's number two. Early that's on. the number on his bike. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. All right, word of the day. Are we going to do this, Weege? Yes, we have to. I don't care what we do. Well, well, no, we has to. It's sort of his call. I don't care what we uh, so just... we we've, we've pulled it off. I think we got a right, a good mix. Now I'm willing to willing to give it a shot. Yeah. All right, I got three words that I thought of. We were wait, we were really considering not doing this. Uh, it's up to each. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't I mean, have professional. Is, this I'd... is like a, this is a national oh. sensation. It, it, Weege is the one who has to get in trouble, has to pull it off, has to get authority. He, no, his producers love it. Maybe he love wants it. to be serious Weege now and not goofball Weege. I don't know. So, um, All you have to do is not double down on Tomac's strategy, and you're good. <laughs> that should be the magic phrase. Why can't can you work into – Double down. Can you work into – we saw Tomac in, uh, in Vegas and just get caught from behind. We saw that, Grant. I think it's just got to be double down. I will never say that. Um, Double down. Okay, so I got three words. Uh, buckshot or scarecrow or donkey punch. <laughs> so, Dirty Sanchez. <laughs> no, we can't do that. Come on. Um, I know, I'm kidding. So those are my three words. JT, you got anything? Uh, I like double down. Double down. Or, or there, there is no crown. Just start screaming at Weege. There is no crown. As Baggett like challenges <laughs> Tomac, like just start start yelling it. <laughs> I, I, I like that idea so much. I think we need to have the word of the day, and then the, there is no crown. We need to just make there is no crown a recurring theme. What theme? Whenever the but situation warrants. What are you gonna do if Tomac pulls a twenty fifteen Tomac? Like literally a minute and a half. How are you? Like how are you gonna do that? Yeah, that's why it just needs a very recurring thing whenever it happens, whenever there's an opportunity to say it. But, uh, no, it cannot be word of the week. I don't – because there's a good chance that he can't make it work. There's a good chance, like you said, he's got a minute lead. So let's just use that as much as possible throughout the season. Right. Okay. Uh, and so come up with another word specifically for Hangtown. Donkey punch? I'm fine. Okay. 
JT? All right, let's go with it. I, I think Buckshot's too easy because the roost is so yeah, brutal. It's yeah, like Buckshot. yeah. Sure. Um, donkey Punch. All right, let's do it. Um, all right, Fly Racing, Racer X Podcast. Anything else, boys? Nope. Let's go racing. Forever hold boogity, your peace. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Yep. Weege? Uh, all good. Enjoy it on cable television and also <laughs> on the uh, NBC Sports Gold app. Over, I can't believe I just quoted Daryl Waltrip. Does, I, I'm so mortified uh, with myself. Does GL, do we see 2015 GL or 2016 GL this summer? Uh, I think it's like Jim Holly. I think the crazy days are behind him. Really? Still, still yeah. there. Yeah. Still in there. <laughs> you know, hey, it's the theory I always give you in the older Rodgers. It's actually not that the speed goes away. It's just not there as consistently. They can still do the same things every once in a while, <laughs> right, right. but they just don't do it every single weekend. <laughs> right, they've got to pace themselves. Right. Chad Reed still <laughs> is good for a podium here and there. and can make it happen. And the right night, the right opportunity, yeah. it can be magical. But he just it's doesn't get those podiums 17 straight weekends. Yeah, yeah. and same thing. Yeah, James Stewart, doable, doable every once in a while. Not doable for 24 motos. Yeah. yeah. By the way, speaking of Stu... I saw a text. I saw a screenshot of a text. Oh, <laughs> what? Oh. What? Oh, God. <laughs> I saw, <laughs> saw a screenshot of a text from Stu to someone. <laughs> no, for reals. Do you know what it said? Okay. Do you know what it said? Ripped? It said, it's on. And I'm being dead serious. I'll I'll text you guys who it was after, and I'll tell you all the whole story. But I saw it. It's on. Now, (laughs) that means like, hey, did you put the pot of water on the stove, uh, you know, to boil it? Like, I could mean anything, but I'm taking it. Like, the prep is starting. You know we should have? Some sort of, like, uh, button that he can hit. And if we're back to 2015... He could hit like a happy hour. There would be like a happy hour little like banner that pops up. That would be sweet. Yeah, I, I, I just that would be cool. I just don't know what it's on is referring to. I'm a taking it. It could like, be the Krispy Kreme donut, hot donuts, now white. No, it's on. <laughs> I know. Could be anything. It could be like, did you somebody saying, did you turn the TV on? And then him just saying it's on. Like, you know, did you? You know. Yeah, like the irrigation system for his lawn. <laughs> right, right. Did, oh, dude, you haven't had rain in a month. Did you turn the sprinklers? Yeah, it's on. Right, because all I saw was the part that said it's on. So that's – I'm just – but I'm taking it like the prep for Monster Cup is on. Well, if we if we know anything, you can't hide this stuff. The word gets out, so we'll know if right. it's on or not. Or maybe it's just the lawn, the watering system, or CNN, or anything. So – Look, if I become one of the guys who becomes one of the guys when he comes back and wins, that you know, I, I know who doubted me. If I become one of the guys, then I will, I will wear it proudly. <laughs> right, go ahead. Right, right. Go ahead. You'll, you'll take it. Um, fly racing. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying it now. Right. I don't think he's going to win races again. But if he comes back to prove me wrong, I'll be the first to say, "Yep, I was completely proven wrong." Wow. Maybe, maybe AC will put out a tweet calling you out like he did to me. So. Um. All right, everybody, uh, Racer X, uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Alpine Stars Protects, Jason Thomas, Jason Wygant. Thanks, boys, and congrats to Ryan Dungey on a, on a fantastic career. Thank you, guys. See you.
See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing. He's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled piss and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.